pray then this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The word of God. Please be seated. Welcome to church. It is good for us to be going through this fantastic series as we dive deeper into the Lord's Prayer so that it grants us meaning in our context today. Welcome to you, those of you who are watching online. It is always a pleasure for you to join us. I want to quickly review how far we've come in the Lord's Prayer, if we can do that together. We started with the preamble. This preamble was uh, the, the, the rules, as it were. No faking, no showing off. Prayer is useless when we fake through it and when we show off. And no empty words. God wants us completely and wholly present with him. May our words never outdo our lives that are to be a blessing to God. Those are the rules. Jesus puts them down. Verse 5 through 8. Then in verse 9, we start our Abba, our, our cosmic and intimate parent, the one who demands liberation for his children. The first time used was in Exodus when Moses tells uh, Pharaoh, hey, uh, God wants his children to be free. And so when the Matthians hear this, they recognize that God is not only an intimate parent to them who loves them dearly, who runs after them, but also desires for them to be liberated and to be free. Who is holy? Made holy by God's actions in our universe, in our cosmos. It is God who makes God holy, not us. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom, your church come. This corrected kingdom, this upside down kingdom, this kingdom that looks different from the world that we live in, where God's preference reigns, where God's governance is the priority. This is how we live. We live according to God's governance, not the world. Let the church say amen. This kingdom or this church is a little less production and much more formation. It's not just about us putting on a great worship service. It is about us being formed in the likeness of God that we can go into this world transforming more lives. And it is helping people to glimpse at this kingdom life. Maybe, maybe they were in a position before where they couldn't quite see past their situation. Maybe they were stuck in a, in a rut, but then they come into this, into this church here and they were loved and they were cared for and they were covered and shrouded by the goodness of God so that once they have left this place, they are better people. Would you turn to someone right now and just say, I love you? Just say, I love you. Someone next to you needs to hear this today. Turn the other way and say, I love you. Somebody needs to hear this today. Look at you smiling. I know you needed that. <laughs> Maybe you've been waiting all week, I love you, <laughs> to hear it from your partner. <laughs> Maybe you've been waiting all month to hear it from your children, even though they're not up here. Oh, this is what the upside down kingdom looks like. 
that we come alongside each other and live a different way from the way the world lives. Your will that doesn't force on us like the Roman occupation, rather it includes us as God's will does, be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this will is not an excuse for bad things to happen. This will is not an opportunity to push toxic ideologies around our faith communities and into the world. This, this will is not an excuse to do nothing. God's will are not these things. Give us this day our daily, our future bread. Our future bread. Give us today a way by which we can live together so that I care for how, that I have enough and make sure that I care for those next to me that they have enough. And when we live in this way, there's always abundance for tomorrow. But it takes a shift in our perspective from me to we. Everybody say me to we. One, two, three. Me to we. Me to we. Give us this day our bread that will be in abundance in our future because we move from me to we. And today, today we land on our text. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Here in verse 12, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not completely sold that the whole idea or ethos of this particular uh, sentence is about the forgiveness, the forgiveness that we traditionally think of. And so I want you to kind of travel with me a little bit. And don't hear me wrong if you're watching online. Don't write any blogs. I believe in forgiveness. I, okay? I don't want anybody going away saying, oh, pastor, he doesn't believe in forgiveness. I believe wholly and completely in forgiveness. In fact, that is a lifestyle of the Christian faith, that we are a people who accept the forgiveness of God for us and grant the forgiveness towards others. Amen. There are many places in our canon that, that talks about this in depth. There are places where we can go to, but, but in this particular text for me, I, I don't I don't know that forgiveness in our traditional sense is what this, this portion of the text is talking about. I mean, surely it does, because the word forgiveness is in there. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. But there must be something more. And there might be, I think, if we dig a little bit and if we go on an adventure to see where this road trip can take us. I'll take us on a little road trip this morning. When I had finished here, I was working here, and I was chaplain as well as an um, enrollment counselor. And so we'd go out and do worship programs. And one day, I got into one of the vans that we rented, and I, I told my brother, hey, what are you doing today? And he's like, I don't know, hanging out. I said, well, come with me. We're going to go for lunch, and then we'll go do a program. And he says, okay. So my brother jumps in the car, and we drive along. And as we're driving along to go out of the campus, lo and behold, Pastor Steve is walking to class. And so we roll down the windows. Back then you had to do this. Some of you don't know what this is. Go ask your parents, look it up on Wikipedia. We had to do this. We said, hey, Steve, what are you doing? And Steve says, I'm about to go to class. 
I said, hey, Steve, you want to go have lunch? And then we're going to go do some uh, a program or something. And he says, uh, okay, but I got class like in an hour. I said, sure. It's fine. It's more than enough time. Let's get in the car. She says, okay. We open the big van door. Steve jumps in, close the van door, and we begin to drive. And as we're driving, Steve says, wow, where are we going to lunch? I said, we're just going to go up to 15. And we're going up to 15. And he says, how far up to 15 are we going to lunch? I said, just a little ways. And we get to Ontario. And he's like, are we going to lunch in Ontario? I don't know if I'm going to make it on time. I said, no, we're going to go a little further. He said, a little further than Ontario? And Steve is now a little bit anxious because, you know, Steve doesn't know what's happening. He likes to have clear, you know, clear lines. He likes to be in control. And he's there. And he's like, oh, how much further are we going? Steve falls asleep in the van while we're driving. Steve wakes up six and a half hours later. <laughs> he wakes up and we're in the, in this dark because the sun had gone down. That's how long we'd been driving. And we're in the forest and we're in some little lanes. And he wakes up and he says, where are we? Where, what, what's the time? Am I going to make it to class? No, Steve, the sun has gone down. He said, well, where, where in the world are we going to lunch at? I said, well, we were going to lunch, and then I had a program I needed to do. So I figured you'd like to roll along. He's like, where, where are we? And I said, we're in Leone Meadows, which is, <laughs> which is like some, <laughs> quite some time past Sacramento. <laughs> now, in some places, in, in legalese, this might be considered kidnapping. We're friends, so it's okay. Steve's fine. He'll be okay. And he's like, what? Where, where, where? I said, listen, we've got, um, this is the, you know, the union youth leadership, and, and they needed like some music, and they needed a speaker, so we're going to come up here. And he's like, are you crazy? I said, no, but there's a guitar back there, so start practicing. <laughs> I, come on. No, come on. A few minutes later, I hear in the back, tling, tling. <laughs> Lord, I lift your name on high. <laughs> We get to the camp, the kids come out and they're all, they're just, they're just overwhelmed to see us there. They don't know who we are, but we have this, this just, just beautiful time together. An evening where, where we did music and I spoke and even uh, in the morning service, Steve decided to speak. For those of you who know Pastor Steve, he doesn't like to speak. He took some time and he spoke and the kids were just, man, the, the, the effervescent spirit that was in that room was just so palpable. We couldn't help but talk about that adventure all the way home. It was so good and it was so right because we went a little bit further than we were comfortable with. To this day, Pastor Steve still talks about this story. Although when he talks about it, he makes it sound like he was tortured or something. <laughs> Don't believe him. Don't believe him. It was life-changing. Look, he's a pastor today. It's amazing what happens when we can travel a little bit further down and see what we can find along the road. In this passage, Matthew does not directly make a messianic connection for us or for the readers at the time. In verse 12, Matthew is talking about forgiving our debts. We don't hear a messianic uh, announcement or proclamation here. This is what we hear. Forgive us our debts. And, and the word that he uses there is ophelema. Ophelema. 
Now, in, in two verses further down, in verse 14, he uses a different word. He uses paraptomas. This is trespasses. That's what, that's what that, that word in verse 14 means. And then in Luke, when Luke writes about the Lord's Prayer in chapter 11, he puts it amartia, uh, 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 amartia, which is the actual word for sin or for missing the mark. So there are options here that Matthew could have used as he writes this portion, but he chooses the word ophelimo. He chooses this word, the word of debt. Interesting that he would choose this word, not amartia, which is sin, forgive us our sins. Um, interesting that he didn't use the other word, which means trespasses. Forgive us, or for, for, for if you forgive others trespasses, right? And we've heard all of these different, different ways, different versions. But for Matthew, he likes the word debt. So we see that Matthew eases Ophelima intentionally. There's reasoning behind the choice that, that he has. And we, we kind of wonder why that is. The Matthean crowd may pick on this debt talk because it may remind them of something. Matthew's community already has the idea that he's messianic because in the genealogy of Jesus, he's connected to David and to Abraham. So, so they've already have in their mind that, that Jesus is this messianic or this Messiah figure. And Jesus here is talking about forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those who have debted against us. So as the Matthean crowd begins to hear this, I think they begin to plug things together a little bit. They begin to recognize this Messiah talk because the prophets for so long had spoken about when the Messiah comes, he will bring in the day of the... Oh, somebody's listening. He will bring in the day of the Lord or the year of Juba. Lee. So when they hear this text, when they hear Jesus in prayer, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those, uh, the, forgiven our debtors. They hear the debt talk. This is legal debt, legal debt. They know that he's the Messiah. I think they begin to plug together this year of Jubilee. They begin to recognize that as Jesus the Messiah is here speaking, there comes a fresh new season for us all. And so for the year of Jubilee, this is found in the Levitical talk of chapter 25. Every seven years is supposed to be a sabbatical year where the land rests where we forgive debts. And every seventh, seventh year... It's 49 years. On the 50th year, we have the year of Jubilee. And on the year of Jubilee, you are to release the slaves to go home. You are to give the land back to the owners. So if you, if you got property from someone because they couldn't afford to keep it and they paid you with their property so that you can start doing crops there, on the 50th year, no matter what happens, you are to give that land back to the person who was indebted to you. Wow. You, <laughs> slaves can go home. They can be with their families. Debts are forgiven so that once those who were indebted are now no longer in debt. Wow. Could you imagine if our credit card companies called us today? <laughs> Mr. Timey, hello, who is this? 
It's discovery. And we decided that you don't get to debt us anymore. Praise the Lord. Tithe will be really good that month. Could you imagine if you were one who, who had just gotten the news that you get the student loan debt forgiveness? Oh, Jesus. I was, when my wife and I got married, I realized she wasn't very good at the financial part of the stuff, which just makes us a horrible couple because I'm not good at it either. But I, I wanted to make sure that because I grew up in a home where we weren't very good financially, you know, we didn't, we didn't grow up very smart fiscally, we didn't, we didn't know how to do our taxes and stuff. So when I, when I got to the age, I started just eating that up because I wanted to be good at it. So my wife and I got married. Um, I, didn't, I didn't think about the fact that she had graduated from Loma Linda University. She went to La Sierra University, and then she went to La Molina University. And I was like, great, wow, yeah, you know, you're super Adventist, I love that. We're gonna be happy. What I should have done is, is check the debts. <laughs> I may have had to start turning a different conversation. Because <laughs> when I rolled that out, I was like, what is all this? So my wife and I, in our marriage, we worked on her, her bills. We worked on that debt and we crushed it. We finished paying off the last penny to Loma Linda University. Lazier University was paid off. Navian was paid off. Sally Mae was paid off. Twinkie, everybody was paid off. Twinkies was paid off, everybody was paid off. We paid it all off. And then, the next month, we heard on the news about the debt forgiveness. Oh! <laughs> You couldn't have done this to me a little bit earlier in life. Debts are forgiven, 50th year. Year of Jubilee. You better believe it's Jubilee. Somebody had gotten into the place where their crops weren't coming up like it was supposed to, and they had to, they had to take a loan because they, the, the, the crops just wasn't happening, and, and the next crop season, maybe it dies, and so now they're in a, in a super debt, and they've got to pay that off, but they can't, so they, so they give themselves into slavery. They become an indentured servant to, to another party, and there they must live for 50 years. Could you imagine year 49 towards the 10th month when it was getting close to the time, and that individual knew that the horn was going to be blown, and they get to go home. Year of Jubilee. It's powerful. This is what the upside-down community looks like. So they get to go home. So as Jesus is praying here, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. There's a recognition that the Messiah is here and that there's this year of jubilee that we are coming into and that there is a, a way that we should live, that this jubilee becomes practically real and tangible to everyone in the community. Not just those of us who have a little more privilege or those of us who have saved up or those of us who have figured out how to pay off our, 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 our tormentors, our, I mean our school bills. All of us get to year of Jubilee. All of us. 
So forgiveness is here, yes, but it's not forgiveness in the sense of if somebody offends me, I must forgive them. This is more of a forgiveness. I am in the place of privilege. I'm the creditor, and I am forgiving them of their debt so that they can enjoy Jubilee like me. Here's two ways that I think this happens for the year of Jubilee when, when we're talking about letting the slave go home returning the land back to the original owners and forgiving debt, reconciliation and validation. When we experience and when we engage in this year of Jubilee, this kind of kingdom living where we are able to forgive debt, we create reconciliation and validation. Reconciliation is, is there because there's a hedge of protection for those most vulnerable in the community. Those who go into debt, who may have gone into slavery, who had to give their property away, they are the most vulnerable of the group. They couldn't handle the disaster, the natural disaster that happened. They couldn't deal with the family loss. Maybe there was an event where they just could not get back on their feet. They're the most vulnerable. So this year of Jubilee is a protection. It's a hedge to protect those who the society would deem below us. The creditors are to remember that they are not the masters of those who owe them. So though this person has lived in my house as, as an indentured servant for 40 years, I am not his master. I am his sibling because Abba is both of our intimate parent, our dad, our father. Debt was not made in order that one party can financially rise above in their socioeconomical status. He didn't create this debt. The party didn't create this debt so that they can make more, so that they can get ahead, so that they can lord over the other. No, the debt was made to help that other party get up to task so that the community could be healthy again. Debts were made and loans were given to help those in difficult situations. So to pay the debt back is the goal. No more, no less. But God is Abba. And we are but siblings. All of us. So we are responsible for reconciling those in debt back to full standing as it is biblically. Debt is both the creditor's and the debtor's responsibility. That's amazing. We don't think like that in this world. It is the creditor's and the debtor's responsibility. On the year of, of, of Jubilee, it's the creditor's responsibility to, no matter what, to release the debtor to go home. And not just to release him to go home, but to celebrate with him. That today you get to go home. I'm going to miss you. You've been here 49 years. But you get to go home and praise God for that because you do not belong to me. Human life does not belong to me. All of us belong to God. It is a hedge of protection to reconcile. Individuals who may have felt like they were second-class citizens for so long. You know, if you get into a place where you're in debt, it's hard to see yourself normal like everyone else. Because debt makes you feel that shame. And it's hard to feel that shame. And when you're in that place, it's a rut. 
it's easy for you to pick on yourself. And we do that with all kinds of debts in our lives. We look at other people and they look, oh man, their life is great because they drive that nice car. Their life is great because they have that house. Their life is great because their marriage seems to be going well. My life is full of debt and brokenness and there's this sense of shame about us. But the year of Jubilee is supposed to reverse that shame so that there's reconciliation for the individual and their family. Not only is the individual reconciled, the whole family is. The whole family name gets to own the land again. We are a part of this community community together. And that is beautiful. So it reconciles. Secondly, it validates. It gives value back to those in our community that is more vulnerable. God has kept the land for you even after all you've been through. Your family still has a part in this community. You are restored back into the community through the forgiveness of this debt. The year of Jubilee gives value back to the recipient and their whole tribe. So this is more about releasing those who owe us than it is about forgiving those who offend us. Yeah, it's about forgiveness, but it's really about those of us who are creditors. Matthew's people are creditors. The way he writes this, forgive us our debt as we have forgiven our debtors, makes the community creditors, right? So they're ones who sit in a better place than most. It's them who has done the forgiving for the debt. It's them who has watched the debtor go home. And so we are get to, get to be a part of this as we release people from what has held them down in their proverbial debts of life. And now they too can experience life like we do. They can accept the words, I love you. They can accept the words, you are worthy. They can accept the words, God is in love with you. They can accept the words that they are saved, salt of the earth, light of the world. It's really about reconciling, validating, and reinstalling those who we might be tempted to lord over as we are reconciled to the one who is Lord over all. So as we pray about this forgiveness of debts, it's more than just forgiveness. And it's more than just about debts. It's a prayer of restoration. It's a prayer of reconciliation. It's a prayer of validation between us and those that are weak, deemed by the world around us, and between us and God. God, who is our Lord and Lord of all things, reconciles us to him, though we are not worthy. There's nothing that we've done that impresses God. God is not impressed by our beautiful prayers and our nice clothes and our shiny shoes. God doesn't uh, get impressed very easily. We don't get to be saved because of anything we do. In spite of us, God saves us. Church, say amen. God saves us. We are reconciled and validated because God loves us. Turn to someone and say, God loves you. Tell someone else, God loves you. This is like, God loves you. This is our place in the world that though in spite of us, God loves us. We get this year of Jubilee. And now we also can return that to our community. Who needs, who needs your forgiveness? Who needs your protection, your hedge of protection? Who needs to be reconciled by you? 
Who, who do you need to validate today? I know there's someone in this world who's just dying for you to validate them, dying for you to protect them, dying for you to reconcile them. There is a world out here, and we are connected to them. It could be your child. Maybe your child hasn't seen the inside of a church in decades because of a pain that they've had to experience. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe you're dealing with an honorary parent. We all got one. I'm just joking, Mom. Maybe it's a coworker or a neighbor or someone in your life that, man, is dying for you to validate them, reconcile them, because that's what God is doing in us. I want you to consider someone who you could create a hedge of protection over. Who is needing that? And then I want you to reach out to them. Now, there's one easy one we can do today. Lisa Walker, who uh, we have been partnering with to do a ton of great things in this community, has asked us to do the simple thing. I don't know, could you put that slide up? I know I didn't put it in there, but thank you. Thank you, team. Man, can we give our team up there a big round of applause? I love you. They're starting this child abuse, uh, stop child abuse campaign. Um, and it's coming up here in April. It's going to be county wide. She reached out and talked to Pastor Steve. Hey, pa hey, pastors, would you all do me a favor? Can you get your church on, on board with this? We need to create a, a hedge of protection for our children who are being abused. Easy, easy task, easy ask, real simple. All you do is take, take a pen, take a, a, a permanent marker, write stop on your hand. And then have someone else, don't do this selfie style. Don't please, it's gonna come out bad. We just wanna, we don't want that. Get somebody else to take a picture of you with your hand held out with the word stop on it. Text it to Pastor Ray when she will gather all of these pictures and we're gonna overwhelm uh, the, 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 the organization that is doing this. They're hoping that by April they can get just a bunch so they can start running ads and promos for creating safety for our kids. That's a hedge of protection, easy. We can do that right now. Here's another one of reconciliation. Maybe you haven't talked to that loved one in a while that you know you should talk to, but you can't seem to bring yourself around to it. You don't have to call them, just text them. Text them, I'll give you permission to text them. You can text them right now if you want to, I won't be offended. Just text them and say, hey, thinking of you today. I hope you're well. Maybe this week as you're thinking about your neighbors and there's a neighbor there who's, who's been going through some stuff, walk by, knock on the door, or take a little note, write a little note, slip it into their door, and let them discover it. But there are millions of ways we can, we can do this prayer together as we have been reconciled by God, with God's love, we can begin to do that for each other. That's what it means to be well, isn't it?